Well, hello, audio world. Uh, this is uh, Pastor Jonathan Borman. I'm sitting here nice and pretty in Aiken, South Carolina, and, and I'm here with my twin brother, uh, Timothy Borman. And uh, oh, I got to tell you, uh, we are really, really excited to dig into Amos chapter 7. Uh, what we're going to do is, uh, all of a sudden, we're going to take uh, a very dramatic shift we're going to take this huge dramatic shift and we're going to get into a totally new genre, a totally new type of prophetic literature. And uh, Timothy, I think you were saying this might be your favorite part of the book. I think it is. I think it is. We can, when we wrap up the book, which we're getting pretty close now, actually, we can sort of go back and look at some of the highlights here from Amos. This has got to be right up there in a top three you know top three section from the book of amos uh and you know i i don't know how far we're gonna get but let's see let's pick it up with amos chapter seven verse one there and let's see if we can get all the way through verse six so <laughs> it's it's a short section but there's a lot there all right well let's let's dig in i think i think what we have here is we have just to name the genre, wouldn't we call this apocalyptic literature? Yeah, these are visions. These are visions. And I thought it might be helpful today just to kind of set this up a little bit before we actually get into the text. Uh, we've seen a lot of different genres in here. We, we've seen um, lament. Uh, we've seen oracles. We've seen... Uh, what are some other, I'm trying to think, what are some other genres that we've seen? Um, we've seen rhetoric of entrapment. Rhetoric, yeah. <laughs> so we've seen, Amos just famous for his pen. Uh, and now here in chapter 7, we get um, Amos becomes a seer, like literally a seer. Like when we talk about a seer, uh, we often talk about what they see. So we're we're having... Um, visions here for the first so time. So just so we're getting this everybody correctly in an audio way, S-E-E-R. How'd I do? Did I win the spelling bee? Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Uh, Amos the seer is is going to show up here um, for, the first, for, for the first time. I also think as we get into these visions, what we're going to see is that Amos is not just a one-dimensional kind of character. Like, all we've really seen him so far is like this sandwich board prophet calling down, like literally calling down fire and brimstone and days of the Lord and stuff like that on his people. But here he's going to become multi-dimensional. Like, you're going to see his heart as he becomes, he, he changes from, the fire and brimstone prophet into a mediator in here. Incredible. I think, do you, is it worth just commenting on the fact, what what is the purpose of apocalyptic, apocalyptic literature? What is the purpose of a vision in the Bible? Maybe we could just say, so you remember it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's supposed to be, like, for example, I have in my, I'll just give you one example for our listeners. Um, it's sign symbol in the Bible um, is meant to evoke powerful, powerful emotions. So like for me, I think about how my grandpa, who's now with the Lord, fought uh, 
for the United States in Iwo Jima. And every time I think of him and, and what he did for our country, I think about that statue where the soldiers on Iwo Jima are pushing up the American yeah, flag. I know which one you're talking about. And and the American flag is just this incredible, incredible symbol. Like when you're when you see it raised, and especially like in a battle zone, your heart is gonna cry out for home. You're gonna be loyal. And so symbols in human life are meant to connect us powerfully to what's being taught. And so that's what you have going on here in apocalyptic literature. And and these kind of these visions, these apocalyptic literature, they're powerful. I think like when when people want to read the Bible, what's the first book that they want to read? Revelation. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> like, drawn to Revelation. Yeah. You know, and why is that? It's it's mysterious, it's powerful. You have these incredible unforgettable images. And so yeah. when like when you read the Bible, you you get this in the prophets and the apostles, these visions and you know, and you could you could divide them up into different kinds of visions. I think when you when you take a look at it's interesting I think you know uh Old Testament prophets Amos is one of them you you know this question comes up is why this is a pre Amos is a pre-exilic prophet you know so before the exile before he, the people yep. have to leave the promised and his visions are like sort of kind of grounded in reality they're not so bizarre but then you get into like some of these post-exilic prophets, or in other words, the prophets that come after the exile, and you get all of these incredibly bizarre visions like you have in the in the book of Amos, or excuse me, in the book of Ezekiel. And um, so like there's this question like, why, why do you have all these different types of visions? I don't know if we have all the answers to that. But but for sure, what we can say is Amos's visions are are sort of kind of like you can understand them. They're not super super bizarre, at least. Well, let's just take one. Should we just take one real quick? And we have a yeah, number of yeah. them here. We have a number of them here. And um, how about I read? I'll just read. I'll just read the first one. It's real short. Mm -hmm. um, I'm gonna start here in verse one. So just three verses, actually. Just a real short little guy here. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is what the Sovereign Lord showed me. All right, so we're seeing something now. Mm -hmm. He was preparing swarms of locusts after the king's share had been harvested and just as the lake crops were coming up. When they had stripped the land clean, I cried out, Sovereign Lord! I'm trying to give this a little emotion here. Sovereign Lord, forgive! How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So the Lord relented. This will not happen, the Lord said. There's vision number one. There it is, real yeah. quick. That's it. So we got uh, locusts, these <laughs> massive swarm of locusts. And if you've ever seen a locust plague, I haven't. But... They they're just they just devastate everything. Anything that's green, it's gone. And these locusts uh, that Amos are seeing, they're showing up at the perfect time to devastate not only the winter uh, crops but also the spring crops. So there's like going to be no food 
at all. So this is going to so be you bad. Have, <laughs> so you have like down here in Aiken, we, this is peach country. And uh, we had this incredibly warm winter. And so all the peach blossoms came out early. And then, while well, you guys were getting dumped on, well, it didn't turn out to be a foot of snow. It, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it turned out to be a little bit less. But it got really cold down here in South Carolina, too. And it absolutely devastated the peach crop. Just took It was like the perfect yeah. timing. The buds were out. 85% of the peaches are dead in South Carolina. Wow. And that's a devastating thing. Especially here if you, you got love a cloud peaches. of, <laughs> yeah. Here you got a cloud of, um, I, I mean, these are nasty little buggers. These are nasty. Yeah. These are nasty <laughs> buggers. I mean, these are going to eat everything. You, these, you talk about teenagers eating you out of house and home. Try trillions of locusts. <laughs> and it's exactly is, straight out of the Pentateuch, like we talked about. Amos being mosaic and Pentateuchal and all these different things. But this is what God promised to bring uh, for rebellious, idolatrous people. Boom. Locust plague. Oh, done. Stripped so, clean. So Amos is shown a picture of judgment here where, quote, the land had been stripped clean. Yeah, eating. It, that's a eating verb in there, stripped. So they're, they're, you know, the little jaws are working on it. They're eating everything up. And Amos is devastated. He, he is absolutely devastated when he sees this happening. And we see his heart. Like, you have this idea from the rest of the book that Amos just got this forehead of steel. He doesn't care. And maybe even enjoys condemning people. But here you see his real heart. And he becomes this mediator for them. And he says, Sovereign Lord. And really interesting what he says is, he, he says, forgive. And that is really interesting. Like, why wouldn't he say, I mean, Timothy, why wouldn't he say, um, don't do it? <laughs> or um, take the locusts away? Or why does he say forgive? Yeah, that, I mean, that's what they needed most of all. It wasn't that they needed food. It, what they needed was for their for their God to to remove their sins and to cover them. Don't we say? Don't we say? Um, in our catechism, don't we say, "Where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation." I think that is. <laughs> where where that am we, I quoting from? That right sounds now. like something that but, we should say if we don't. <laughs> but, but at any rate, isn't that? Isn't that what we have going on here? It's like where there's where there's a right relationship with God, everything else follows too. And yeah. Amos understands that. Like you're not going to have tiny little jaws eating up all the food supply. Yeah, <laughs> if there's forgiveness. So you have this petition. Amos is petitioning the Lord to forgive, and then he says, "How can Jacob survive?" So he's going to have the Lord turn to his mercies, and he says, "He's so small." Now, what does he mean, you know, that word small? Does that mean he's short? (laughs) (laughs) Is he talking about numerically or something like that? No, I I think the the best way to understand that is that uh, smallness morally, like he, small in character, like he, Jacob is, is sinful. He doesn't measure up to God's standards. He's small that way. 
And, and Jacob well, just kind of says, Lord, forgive them. Um, he, he can't help himself. You know, he's small. <laughs> well, flip it. Oh, yeah, right. So flip, flip it on its head. Who's big to God? You know, who's important to God? Who's big in his eyes? Is it, is it somebody who's like Goliath, who's super tall? Is it <laughs> like, who's big to God? And the answer yeah. is, you, I mean, you have to go to the person of Jesus Christ. And, and what we know about him is that he was, he was morally perfect. And so you have God shouting from heaven, he's my son, I love him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's big, so he's big to God. And here, um, in stark contrast to that, Jacob's so small. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I love, I love that phrase. But the, the even thing, the so, like the so, like really, it's like so. It's so it's small. It's not just he's small, like he's, <laughs> it's almost like you have to get out a microscope to. <laughs> he's so small, yeah, he's so small. But my, I think my favorite part of the book is that next verse where it says, so the Lord relented. Just, mm. there's so much, so much there, but you you see God's heart, this mediator named Amos comes along, he covers them, he covers Jacob with his prayers, and the Lord says, okay, I won't do it. Like This is, this is a gospel center in the book of Amos, as you see uh, the mediate, you know, the power of mediation. Just, just to be clear, what, what's happening here is God was going to strike a small, immoral, nation a small immoral group of people and he says i'm not going to do it anymore uh that's the gospel i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give people what they deserve so that's that's exactly what's happening here is the lord relented now i'm curious timothy like what talk about the hebrew uh in that verb relent what's really what's it really showing us about the lord's heart well, I mean that word relent is it comes it's the Hebrew word nacham for those of you who know Hebrew. And it's it's a word that you see in the book of Isaiah where it says comfort, comfort my people. It, it's a word that appeals to the soft side of God. And a lot of people think that it derives from this idea of of breathing deeply. Like it's a sigh. And sometimes it can be a sigh of comfort, like like maybe you have Soko in your hand and you're like, oh, life is good kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but other times it's when when God takes a deep breath and, and he, he sees sin happening and a mediator comes along and says, and says, forgive them, Lord. And God takes a deep breath and says, okay, I will. You know, so it's this, it's this um, God appealing to his goodness the the characteristic of, of his grace and mercy in a person's life so the lord relented he not come if that makes sense the lord is so compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in love i mean we have that old testament creed for yeah. a reason yeah that's exactly this it. is this is who god is and I, we we should probably talk about like what changed <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. So, so why what, did why did God the Lord relent? Mind? 
Especially because yeah. in the rest of the book, you say, I will not relent, I will not relent, I will not relent. So what happened? <laughs> well, the you know, Lord we relented. About, yeah, the Lord relented. <laughs> so what we talk about... I think I think it is important to put this on a timeline. Like the remember at the I think at the beginning of this podcast we said Amos isn't chronological. So this is the beginning of Amos's ministry, right? Mm-hmm. This comes before that not relent stuff. <laughs> if that if that helps, does that answer your question? Or what were you asking again? What so what changed? Like why did the Lord relent? That's what I'm really getting into. I'm, I think we should plumb the depths of that a little bit is why in the world did the Lord relent? Cause honestly we want the Lord to relent for us. So <laughs> I mean, how does that happen? The smallness of Jacob didn't change, did it? <laughs> yeah, he was always, he was always small. So yeah. what, it wasn't a change in the people. Uh, yeah. The only thing that changes here is that this mediator shows up and he covers Who's the mediator. Them. Well, here it's Amos. <laughs> Mm. so Uh, just to be clear the thing that changed here is you have uh, jacob is the same size he's always been you know yeah that's right (laughs) he's the same size he's always been he's small but what changed is somebody spoke up and said sovereign lord forgive Mm -hmm. somebody interceded for jacob now we're gonna say we're gonna actually say uh pretty soon probably next podcast that amos's mediator mediatorial work is that how you say it yeah <laughs> his, you got it his work as a mediator actually fails because the lord um the the people keep sinning they don't listen to the visions and boom the lord says okay now 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 i have to do it right but there's only yeah. one mediator's work who doesn't ever fail so, I mean, before, let, let's get into that in just a second, but do you think that it's fair to say that this is going to hint at the true mediator that we really need? Like, of course. You, you, have, you have a prophet, you have a prophet, you know, small p, who's standing in the gap. He's also say. a shepherd. Isn't that interesting? You have a shepherd prophet. <laughs> yeah. Let's put it together. Who stands behind the sheep. We're going to talk about that. And he says, Lord, please forgive. You know, please don't do this. Please don't wipe wipe them out, you know. And hopefully our listeners are already starting to think of another shepherd prophet, this time with a, with a capital P. Yeah. And he Who says, says, forgive. <laughs> he says, forgive. And he says, wipe me out instead. You know. So we stand behind... Jesus Christ. It's Jesus yeah. Christ. So you, you, you see the mercies of God. You see the, you see the importance and the power of a mediator here. We let's read the next vision too, and we should, um, yeah. Let, let's read it and then let's kind of consider both of them together. Uh, this is what the second vision says. This is just three short verses again. It says this is what the Sovereign Lord showed me. The Sovereign Lord was calling for judgment by fire. It dried up the great deep and devoured the land. Then I cried out, Sovereign Lord, I beg you, stop. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So the Lord relented. This will not happen either, the Sovereign Lord said. 
So that's the second vision. And these visions go together uh, because of their similar characteristics. And we're going to look at five visions in the book of, of Amos all together. These two go, go together just for a number of reasons. One is because these two visions don't happen. So the Lord relents. But there's other reasons. You have eating here. So one's eating by locusts. Others is eating by the fire of judgment. You also have the mediator Amos. who, who go, He's the in-between between the, the sovereign Lord and this judgment. You have this question, how can Jacob survive? He's, he is so small. And you also have the Lord relenting. So they're very similar. And what you could actually say is that this is a repetition. So this is like Hebrew poetry on a big level. So it's repetition with intensification. So when we read these two visions together, I think you have to read them and notice what's different about them too. They, in, in other words, they mean the same thing. They do. You know, they're yeah. telling you this. They mean the same thing, but then the second one is definitely more intense. Like it's, uh, you move from locust to fire <laughs> locust know, the move. fire and and amos actually starts giving up his mediatorial work and just like in a small way like you could miss it if you don't read it carefully because after the first verse he says uh sovereign lord forgive and then you get to the second vision and he says sovereign lord i beg you stop so like he almost feels it he feels the thing coming and where before it was kind of, you know, maybe stoppable. And now he's like, it's already here. It's halfway done. Stop. Yeah. And he's not, and it's like, he's given up on getting these, these sinners to repent. And he's like, just please stop. You know, just stop. He says like, he's not looking for forgiveness anymore. And one of the characteristics as you, you read these waves of visions you got five of them total, which is a big number in the book of Amos, is um, you're going to actually see Amos do this disappearing act almost. Like here in these first two, he's a mediator, but later he's going to get less and less prevalent until the fifth vision. He's not even there anymore. He's just watching it happen, but he's not involved. Mm. So like God's, you know, God's judgment is growing. On, on. God's judgment is growing, and Amos's ability to do anything about it is becoming more pronounced. Yes. Yes. So you need this better mediator. <laughs> it's definitely teaching that, isn't it? Yeah. You need somebody else who can actually stand in the gap and stand firm and not go anywhere. That's exactly it. So the Lord relented. This will not happen either, the sovereign Lord said. And it, you know what it makes me think about, if I could just reflect on this for a second, it makes me think about, um, it, it makes me think about the Annunciation of Mary, frankly. Why? <laughs> because we needed God. We needed God. We needed the prophet who was going to stand in the gap and forgive us um, and receive in our place uh, wrath for what we've done. 
we needed that to be God. Amos, any other human component, even somebody uh, w- uh, made of prophetic material like Amos, can't 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 hold it back. He's it's not sufficient. It's not sufficient. Yeah. But Christ is. That's the, that's the gospel news. Thank <laughs> thank God for that. That there is a sufficient once for all sacrifice in Jesus Christ. That that the Lord might relent, right? Yeah. So I the think true plumb line. So there's, I think there's there's some things that just makes me think as we look at these visions together. We we're only going to take these two for this this podcast, but I think we got we think of Jesus and His work as a mediator, how important that is, and. And Amos is really foreshadowing that as he asks the Sovereign Lord to forgive. I also think about prayer. Like, what does it say about the power of prayer that Amos can go to the Sovereign Lord and and say, Sovereign Lord, forgive. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. And then the Lord relents. What does that say about prayer? Hmm. Such a powerful point. It reminds me of Abram, too, when he's interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah, you know. Um, the Lord, the Lord hears our prayers. Um, There's, you think, you think this, Amos, he's this shepherd, breeder, sort of nobody kind of guy. And yet he's standing in the gap and he's going to God Almighty and he's saying, he starts praying, and he stops a world catastrophe from happening. Like, he holds off the locusts. Think about that. And, and w- one prayer. What? Yeah, what, what could? What do our prayers, what, what do our prayers do for our churches? What do our prayers do for our world? What do our prayers do for our cities um unbelievable things is the answer absolutely unbelievable things so powerful and you know the other thing i'll say what i kept thinking about as we read this is this is really just a repackaging of the lord's prayer forgive us our trespasses Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's really what we're doing here Lord, forgive us. Don't send a, upon us and our people and our land uh, the curses that we deserve. Yeah, And it becomes like this invisible safety zone. All because God loves to hear our prayers and he cares about what we think. You have he wants to, to change the world based on it. You have to wonder if like, we'd pray the Lord's Prayer a little bit better. If we had visions before it, you know, like if 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 we saw what would happen because we're not praying, you know, like <laughs> the Lord shows you the locust vision and you get on your knees, you know, like that's the whole point of this vision is like we need to understand like prayer changes things, world events, and it turns God's anger away when you become that mediator. Through G- in Jesus' name. Wow. And it, it, there's this question, and I'll just maybe leave this with you and 
and and the rest of the listeners. But uh, let me just another encouragement to prayer. And I want to I want to frame it this way with a question: What is the shelf life of a prayer? You like when you pray the Lord's prayer and you pray it over your city, like. How long does it last? I mean, the Lord hears these prayers and He cares about them, and um, He responds. What's the impact going to be? Here was massive. That's that's what we can say with with great certainty. Whew, what a beautiful what a beautiful section of God's word. I I think we really got to soak this in as we we see. We see like the story of Amos right here so clearly in this visions. And we see the heart of Amos, like he becomes multidimensional. But most importantly, we see the heart of the Lord. Like he wants to hear prayer. He wants uh, mediators to happen. And, and ultimately he wants people to turn from their sin and live. And, and so we see all of that happening right here in Amos chapter 7. I, I think we should probably leave it there, Jonathan, for that, for this podcast, and we'll pick it up and we'll get into to visions four, uh, 3 and 4 for next time, I think, and kind of get into a whole nother set of visions where Amos's uh, mediatorial work will f- ultimately fail, uh, and yet we're still trusting that mediatorial work of the Christ the one conceived by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. So thanks for joining us, everybody. Please join us again.